course, please. Man, thank you. you. May be seated unless you celebrate her birthday or an anniversary. We'd like to recognize you. Time. Well, Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house today, and to have each one of you with us. A few things from the bulletin, and a few things that are not in the bulletin. Uh, first of all, today we're receiving our Christmas missions offering, and uh, so uh, we listed the missionaries that we hope to help with this. Uh, Mrs. Quinlan, Mrs. Yarnell. Uh, Richard and Joyce Crotz, Richard and Leslie Crotz, and Marty and Glenda Bush. And so if you can give, be a blessing, uh, that would be awesome. And uh, then we have a choir practice on Saturday the 10th at 5 o'clock, and that's in preparation for the Christmas program, which will be next Sunday morning at uh, 10.30. The Word Became Flesh, and we'd encourage you to invite your friends to come and look forward to a blessing uh, with that cantata ladies christmas party will be the 15th at uh, my house at seven o'clock encourage all ladies to come and uh, bring a ten dollar gift and some finger foods and then uh, the 18th will be the gilson christmas and uh, we'll be uh, receiving uh, gift cards for walmart or if you want to make checks out you make those out to uh, dan gilson and we'll have a donation box up next week uh, that you can put those in. And then we have uh, Patch the Pirate program uh, that afternoon and looking forward to our kids and their Christmas program. So you want to be here for that for sure. And then Teen Christmas Party, December 21st, uh, be Wednesday night. And uh, then we have a couple of lists on the back table. We have a cleaner list if you're interested in helping uh, clean the church this next year. Uh, we'd encourage you to sign up for that. And then Christmas Day, um, Christmas Day, uh, we will have church service. Uh, we'll have one service at 1030. Afterwards, we're going to have lunch. If you, uh, the church will provide the meat. If you're going to uh, stay, if you could sign up uh, for sides and desserts, things like that. Uh, that also gives us an uh, idea of how much meat to uh, have available. And so we're looking forward to a good time uh, uh, Christmas Day and encourage you to put that down. Uh, prayer needs, ask that you remember to pray for all these, and uh, remember to pray for Mrs. Cooper, and then pray for the Potts family. They're going to bury his mom tomorrow, and I know they would really appreciate your prayers. And so if you'd be praying for Brother and Mrs. Potts, I know they appreciate that. Also, I have a missionary letter that I'd like to share with you. It says, Dear Pastor, it's been a great blessing to our family to be co-laborers with you these past 48 and a half years. Wow, this is an old-timer. In our, not really old-timer because I'm getting there, so it's, they're not that old. They're youngsters. They're just beginning. That's what it is. In our 20 years in Papua New Guinea, we were able to help new churches to get started. We personally started four churches, which are still going today. We taught in Bible school for nine and a half years, training pastors and their wives how to start churches, preach the gospel, and help their people in discipleship and Christian growth. 
God is blessing those churches today. In 1994, we changed fields from Papua New Guinea to Hungary, going from uh, former cannibals to former communists. God has blessed the last 28 years in reaching the lost people in Hungary. We started Bible Baptist Church in Sloznok, I guess, located 62 miles southeast of Budapest. Today, the church is debt-free with all facilities paid for and completely remodeled. Praise the Lord. Pastor Zoltan Grimsey is doing a wonderful job of preaching, teaching, and pastoring the church. Every summer, we have an evangelistic baseball camp and an English camp. Many children and teenagers have heard the gospel for the very first time. Amen. Communists did its job in Hungary. We have reached the point in our lives where medical issues have arisen. I have the beginnings of congestive heart failure. I'm also an AFib heart patient. I've had uh, prostate surgery three times. Patty is a type 2 diabetic, but it is well controlled. We are not able to return to the field full time because of these health issues. The health care in the hospitals in Hungary is not up to par, and some of the medicines we need are not available in Hungary. So we are having to change to active retirement status. Active retirement status means we will still be doing ministry in Hungary via the internet and able to visit churches as physically able to do so. Presently, I'm teaching every Friday morning in Hungary for the church's Friday night Bible study. Also recently, we met a group of 10 to 12 Hungarians living here in Springfield who have a Hungarian service every Sunday afternoon. We will be helping them and encouraging them in their fellowship with the Lord. We will still be able to help the two summer camps through planning and supporting them financially. We ask that our churches continue to pray for this new ministry and support it as long as possible so that more Hungarian souls will enter heaven's glory. This active retirement will begin January 1, 2023. We will continue sending prayer letters to keep you updated on our lives and ministry. Patty and I want to thank our supporting churches and friends for your prayers and financial support these past 48 and a half years. God bless each of you. Remember, when you're hungry, pray for hungry. In Christ, Dan and Patty Peters. And we have been with the Peters. I remember the Peters when I was just a young guy, them coming to our church and, and presenting the field and so forth. And so uh, they'll just move to uh, active retirement. We'll continue to support them and continue to pray for them. They'll continue to be on our prayer list on a regular basis. I just wanted to bring this update to the church so that you know what I know, and we continue to pray for them. Okay? We're going to have Brother Foster come and lead us uh, in another song. Lord bless you for being here today. Sing hymn number 66 at Calvary. We'll sing the first and the last verses. Hymn number 66.
school classes. All right, for my class, we are going to seek to finish lesson number six. We have a few of those handouts left. If you need one, raise your hand. And then we also have lesson number seven. So I don't know who has which. Charlie, do you have lesson six? All right. Raise your hand if you need one or both. If you need both, raise both hands. How's that? <laughs> it's really loud up here. All right, while you're waiting on that, you can be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 5. And we are in lesson number 6, and this is a lesson on loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. That's not what we desire to do in our flesh, but it's what we're commanded to do by the Word of God. And He would have us to love our enemies um, as God loved us. He extended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 43 is where we find our text uh, for this subject. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, we live in a society where um, tolerance is, uh, is pushed, but they're only tolerant of what they want to be tolerant of, right? Uh, they don't want to be tolerant of Christians and what we believe, but they want us to accept all these ideas uh, of uh, what uh, they're pushing on us today as far as genders and things of that nature. But uh, we understand that we take uh, what we believe from the Word of God, and we need to understand what the Word of God says and adhere to it. And Dealing with this topic of loving your enemies, we must understand, uh, as we looked at last week, uh, first of all, God's love and appreciate the sacrifice of love that He gave. And I certainly hope that every one of us are thankful today for the sacrifice that God made on our behalf. Uh, sending His only begotten Son to die for us when uh, we didn't deserve it. Uh, we certainly can't gain it on our own, but God, loving His enemies, sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation for our sins. So we understood this. I'm not going to go through each one of these again, but we'll just highlight them. We understood and went through the scope of God's love that is extended to all mankind. And with sacrifice of God's love, we understood that it's through Jesus Christ and sending His Son to die for us. And through that sacrifice, we can uh, then have a relationship with God Himself. And then we understood the specifics of love. And we went through what the different types of love were, and we see from the Word of God the type of love that we're talking about, loving our enemies, is this agape type of love, where agape love doesn't expect anything in return. Uh, we love people unconditionally, and that's the way God loved us. When He, uh, he looked down on us, He loved us unconditionally, and, and, and again, as while, while we were yet enemies of God, He loved us and moved on, on our behalf through the working of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, then under this topic, we saw the power of love and the power of love. The, and we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, and understood what the effect of love can be. And if we have a heart's desire to impact this world for the cause of Christ, then it must be wrapped up in this love, this agape love that God commands us to have. And love is the seasoning <laughs> uh, that will open up the heart of the individual you're trying to minister to. And it will allow us to, to speak to them 
uh, from the Word of God and share with them the truth of the Word of God about their need of Jesus Christ as their Savior. So tremendous power in that, uh, this area of love. And then we looked at the particulars of love, and we went through that list uh, out of 1 Corinthians, that it suffers long, it's kind, it envieth not, it vaunteth not itself, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And we left it there for us to chew on that list of things that uh, are wrapped up in this idea of God's love. Uh, So this is what we must put on as the child of God, as we endeavor to live for Him, we must uh, wrap ourselves up in this type of love. So that brings us to the third point of this area of loving your enemies. And how do we do that? Well, we have to yield to the spirit of love. We have to yield to the spirit of love. This is not something that we are born with. It's not something that's in our fleshly nature. So it's something that we have to rely upon God uh, for. So because loving our enemies goes against our nature, we need to rely completely on the Lord. And He is the only one who can make His love flow through us into the lives of other people. So We're just a conduit of God's love to those that He would have us to impact, that He would have us to influence, that He would have us to minister to. So how do we, practically speaking, yield to the Holy Spirit of God in this area? Well, the first thing, as many things in the Christian life, we have to make a decision. We have to decide that we want to love. And we have to choose uh, to love as God desires us to love. So we have to make this decision. And loving our enemies begins with a twofold decision. We must decide to love God, and then we must decide to love others. So let's break those two down. First of all, uh, loving God. If we do not love God wholly, we will never be able to love others biblically. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 says this Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So it's very important as we study principles in the Word of God that we do things in the order that God has prescribed them. So He's prescribed for us here a a way for us to love, and the first thing that we must settle and that we must get right is that we have to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. So that means he, he captivates all areas of my life and He has the preeminence. And my love is evidenced through the way that I am devoted to Him, the way that I serve Him, and the way that I seek to please Him. So when we consider all that God has done for us, especially His great work of salvation, our love toward God would not be merely out of duty, but out of delight. So we delight in serving Him. We delight in pleasing Him. We delight in loving Him because of what He's done for us. And when we love God with all of our being, what is important to Him becomes important to us too. So we began to look at the Word of God and understand what's, what God desires and what He expects of us and what uh, pleases Him, and we seek to do the very same thing in our life. We express our love for the Lord by spending time with Him, being a part of His local church, and practicing personal holiness. These are things that God desires in our life, and it's what the Word of God spends much time uh, dealing with uh, the Christian life and and outlining it for us in these areas that we would be uh, spending much time with Him in the Word of God and in prayer, 
and that he has established the local church that we might come together as a body and to serve him and to worship him and to be edified and lifted up and to learn the truths from the word of God and then to practice those things which we have learned by personal holiness. The only way that we will see the need to love others in our daily lives is to love God first. So when we love Him, we will love what He loves and seek to obey Him. So we understood from our first couple of points that God loves His creation. And He loves mankind. And because God loves mankind, then as I seek Him and as I love God, then my desire should be to love mankind as well. During his first visit to London, an aged countryman made a trip to an art gallery. As he browsed the wide array of paintings, he was especially drawn to a picture of Christ dying on the cross. Gazing at the painting, he could not help but feel a deep love for the Savior flood into his heart. Moved with great passion, he exclaimed, Bless Him! Oh, how I love Him so! His cry startled those standing near Him, and they turned to look at Him. They saw the countryman's tears glistening on His distraught face as He stood oblivious to their presence. Four of the onlookers came up to the man and gently said, We too love him, brother. These men had never met each other before, but they were drawn together in the shared love and adoration of the Savior. And it's amazing what the love of the Savior can do in bringing us together. And that's what's united us here today, is our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we desire to serve Him and we desire to learn of Him. And that has drawn us to this place that He's called us to, to assemble together, to learn of Him. And all around the world as we meet Christians, we are drawn together because of that, uh, that unique love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ because we have a relationship with Him. So we have to make a decision to love and we see that uh, we must love God. And the second decision we must make after we have established our love for God is to love others. So we saw that the first and greatest commandment was to love God, but he goes on. It's followed by the second commandment in Matthew chapter 22 and verses 39. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's a lot of weight hanging on these two principles here. Loving God and loving thy neighbor. So we must make sure that these things are right in our life. Uh, the standard for loving our neighbor is to love them as ourselves. If you think about it, we naturally care for our well-being. We want to take care of ourselves. and we, uh, It's natural for us to consider ourselves first, but the Bible tells us that we need to consider our neighbor in the same way we consider ourselves. We desire what is good for ourselves and seek to do what makes us happy. To love others as ourselves, we need to treat them the same way that we treat ourselves or want to be treated. And this, uh, in order to do this, we must be intentional about looking out to meet the needs of others. If someone is going through a difficult time, our love for that person should drive us to come alongside them and bear the burden with them. That would be the same response we would want from others when we are going through a similar situation. So, uh, the best thing for us to do is consider those around us and ask ourselves, if I was going through that situation, what would I want someone to do? And then pray about it and consider what you can do to, to help and come alongside and be an encouragement. This command to love others is so significant that Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 13 uh, and that He would identify them as His followers. And He says this, 
By this, he's speaking of love, loving thy neighbor as thyself. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So it is to be a, a significant part. It is to be uh, an overlaying part of our Christian life that people would see the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in us and flowing through us and outwardly displayed towards the love that we have for one another. The world should be able to see a difference in our compassion for others. And this includes a love for the saved as well as for the, the lost. So we have a decision to make. Am I going to love God the way I'm supposed to love Him? And then am I going to love my neighbor as myself. So we have a decision. And then as we decide to love, we have another decision to make. Decide to let. And what does that mean? The only way to love others as God wants us to is to allow His Spirit to love others through us. As I mentioned at the beginning of this point, is this not something that we can do on our own? We must have the Holy Spirit of God flowing through us. A week or so ago, we had a clogged drain in our house, and we noticed a smell down in the basement and didn't quite know where it was coming from, but soon we found out that we had a clogged drain because it was backing up in one of the sinks. So I had to deal with that situation but the, and, and get it unclogged, but what it was not allowing was water to go through and pass through as it should. This may be a poor correlation, but our, our life as a Christian must be able to flow. And the things that clog up our life are the sin and selfishness and, and all those things that encumber us in this life. And we must get rid of all those things that the Holy Spirit of God can flow through us freely. And it's that love that flows through us then that can impact the lives of those around us. So we must decide to let God work through us. Decide to let Him flow through us, if you will. In fact, God directly connects our yielding to the Holy Spirit with a spiritual food, including love that He desires to produce in us. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 5 and see what God desires to do through us. Again, these are not things that are natural to our nature. God is going to have to do this. And God desires to do it. That's the wonderful thing about it is God desires to perform these things in us. But what it takes on our part is a yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, allowing Him to do the work. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Here's the command. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and what will be the result? And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we have this war, and all of us would readily admit we have a war within us. What the flesh desires to do, and then the desire to please God and do what the Holy Spirit desires in our life. So we have this war. And, but the remedy here is to walk in the Spirit. And then the Bible says, Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such 
there is no law. So using this language, similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we studied last week, God connects our walking in the Spirit to the practical applications of love. Galatians 5.24 goes on to say, and they, that are, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So we see the clear command here that we are to walk in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, then these things are going to be produced in us that we just read there, the fruit of the Spirit. But our flesh resists the command. And it resists the command to love our enemies. It hates those that hate us and wants to take revenge for the wrong done to us. And our flesh constantly wars with the Spirit who dwells in us and guides us to do what is right and pleasing to God. So we have to, again, make this decision. Instead of following our flesh, God calls us to relinquish control and surrender to the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. When we empty ourselves and allow the Spirit to fill us, we will be able to love our enemies as God commands us to. So from a human perspective, it seems unreasonable to love those who hate you, those who revile you or take advantage of you. After all, they offended us and do not deserve our love, is what we believe, what our heart's desire would say. But God did the unreasonable by loving and forgiving us even when we were His enemies. We rejected Him, and when He had done us no wrong, He showed us compassion. He had compassion on us and even sacrificed His own Son to save us. To Him, having a relationship with us was worth the sacrifice. And He is always ready to forgive and restore us in fellowship with Him when we fail. Is our desire for men and women around us to have a relationship with God so as strong as this? God was willing to sacrifice all to have a relationship with us. And that is our ministry, is to... Uh, invite people to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's example becomes our, ours to emulate. When we choose to love everyone, including our enemies, we identify ourselves with Christ. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, He produces in us His love for others. You and I have been the recipients of God's love, and now it is our opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit of God and be channels of His love. It's interesting to me how God works these things, and it just so happened after I taught this lesson last week, there was a devotion that I had that spoke to this very same topic, and I wanted to share points of it with you. Let me get to it here just a minute. Technology is not my friend this morning. I've had issues in the sound booth and issues up here, but I'll get there. Just bear with me. All right. There it is. All right. The thing that should be the distinguishing mark of our lives and service for God should be that we are reflecting His love. We should be treating others with the compassion and love that Jesus showed to them. It's not a question of programs or ideas or methods, but a question of the heart. Good methods and even great sacrifice will not produce any lasting benefits 
unless they are motivated by and saturated in love. Paul wrote, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, I profiteth nothing, or it profiteth nothing. So love motivates us to keep going when we feel like giving up. Love encourages us to try again when someone rejects the gospel. Love lightens the load that we carry when we are investing in the lives of others. Love indicates that we are walking under the control of the Holy Spirit, for it is the first of the fruit that, hap- that He produces in us. Love shows us that we are like Jesus, who extended an invitation to all who would come to Him, meeting them with open arms. The love of God is not just something we receive, but something we are to display to those around us. So you might look at your life and examine this area of love and ask yourself, am I loving the way that God desires me to love? Do I possess that agape love? Am I demonstrating that agape love to those around me? And especially, am I displaying that type of love to my enemies? And if you're like me, I would think we would agree that we have some work to do. And God would seek to improve us in this area of loving as we ought to. That brings us right into lesson number seven. It goes right along with this, and we'll quickly get into it. We won't have much time. But it goes hand in hand with this idea of love. So if we're going to get everything else in our Christian life right and being able to minister, the first thing we must possess is this area of love, the type of love that God uh, showed towards us. So this next lesson is... Uh, bless them that curse you and Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. So if you turn there, Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. So we've had the command to love our enemies. And now he goes on to say, and if you would have stayed in Matthew, he deals with this subject right in the following verses where we were. But we'll look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, where he says, But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. Then he, the next verse Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Uh, so, the conflict and war is all around us in our society. They've been a part of our human history since the very beginning. And when you look at the, the start of many of those wars, it's amazing to see, uh, as we look back on them, how insignificant the issue was that started the war. And... It, I don't know if you've heard the old uh, Hatfield and McCoy and, and all those type of things that go on, those, those rivalries and, uh, and the, the different uh, issues that arise. But we understand that the, the issue here is that we don't have a forgiving spirit. We don't have a spirit of blessing those that curse us. Sometimes the most trivial matters spark a major crisis between relationships that we have, uh, between neighbors or between nations. And as ridiculous as it may seem, the same sometimes happens among uh, our relationships to individuals, and sometimes a simple form of misunderstanding or negative communication on the part of one or both parties begins a conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't like to deal with conflict. I don't like to be a part of conflict, so I want to make sure (laughs) that I'm trying to uh, not create a situation where there is conflict. But the conflicts do arise, so we must understand from the Word of God how we deal with those. 
Sometimes a simple form of misunderstanding, as I said, uh, creates this conflict. And other times there's a purposeful hurt. So we have a society today that is not afraid to hurt one another in what they say and even in what they do. Uh, So they have a purpose behind their hurt. And it leads to deep wounds. In either case, we are to obey God's instruction that we just read in Luke 6, 28, is to bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Again, it goes against our nature and what we want to do. We want revenge. We want to get, to get the advantage and get the upper hand. So when others verbally abuse us, our natural response is to retaliate to their faces or behind their backs, but as you might guess, the biblical response is the opposite of our natural inclination. We are to bless them. Uh, We have something that's uh, interesting that goes on in our society today with social media is that a lot of people feel emboldened or empowered to say a lot of things that they wouldn't normally say to someone face to face. So we have this issue and we need to understand from the Word of God how we are to deal with it as children of God. So Christ demonstrated this response when people not only verbally assaulted Him, but also physically assaulted Him. In 1 Peter 2, and verse 23, speaking of Jesus, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. So when we follow Christ, we seek to follow Uh, His leading in our life and His footsteps in this area, we show the power of the gospel in our lives. We show what we are under the control of, what we are subjected to. And as children of God, we are not to be subject to our heart's desire or our flesh. The Bible tells us that it's deceitful and desperately wicked, isn't it? So we must be subject unto Christ. And as we are subject to Christ and Uh, We yield ourselves to what He desires, and we yield ourselves in this area of blessing those which despitefully use us. As we consider something to correlate this, we could look at uh, karate, and hopefully you're familiar with that. It primarily involves punching and kicking, but it also uses advanced throws and arm bars and grappling. These moves are designed to take down an opponent when one is threatened. Although most of us may not be trained in karate, most of us are naturally skilled in verbal karate. (laughs) When someone calls us a name, our natural reflex is to respond by calling him a name back, possibly even a worse name. It is second nature for believers and unbelievers alike, especially when offended, to go back and forth with verbal punches. This retaliatory response, however, is antithetical to God's instructions to believers. It's not what our response is to be. Though it is natural for us to curse those who curse us, with God's help, it is possible for us to respond as Christ did. The instruction of our text verses from Luke 6 is repeated in Romans chapter 12, where it says in verse 14, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. So it's repeated over and over again through the Word of God of what we must do. The word bless here carries the idea of praising or saying kind things about another. So is, is your conversation summed up by, uh, could it be summed up by this kindness? You are a kind person, you say kind things, and that ought to be what protrudes out, from, out of our mouth. And then the word persecute is broad. It can refer to something as small as minor harassment, to something as big as physical persecution. 
The word curse means to speak evil of. So we see that God's desire here is for us to say kind words to those who ill-treat us or slander us. So how can we bless those who persecute us or curse us? The Old Testament event of the life of David, I think, will help us understand this. And it shows us a principle in action. We're going to read in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 5. Uh, we'll probably not do that today. We're running out of time. It's quite a lengthy passage. But this uh, portion of Scripture is going to help us uh, understand and see this in action. Those that were ill-treating David and even thought ill will of him. And we see how God uh, worked through David and how David handled the situation appropriately. So I'll give you a little background and we'll get into it again next week. So at the, the time of this event in 2 Samuel chapter 16, David is king over Israel. But his son Absalom is attempting to steal the throne by force. David has just fled to Jerusalem and is on his way to Menahem, where he will regroup with his generals and formulate a strategy to save the kingdom. Meanwhile, he is brokenhearted over Absalom's rebellion. So we'll look at that story and then we'll see uh, the re correct response in it and then apply those things to our lives as well that we might know how to bless them that curse you. So we have a great responsibility before us in that we must exemplify the right type of love and no better time of year to exemplify the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and share the good news of Jesus Christ than that of His coming to earth and the celebration of it. So we must Love as God desires us to love, and as we put on the correct love to God, and we express the, the correct love towards God, and then we express the right love towards our neighbor, it opens the door for us to be able to present the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and then we have a tremendous opportunity to those that uh, would curse us or that would think ill will towards us, that we have the opportunity to bless them, <laughs> that we can be a blessing to them by sharing with them God's love that flows through us and that they can see it in our lives, evidence in our lives, and then as the Lord allows, open up the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And as we think of, uh, of these principles that God desires in our life, I'm sure we can think of people in our life that exemplify them. And one that I can think of is, is my grandfather was exemplary of this area and, and loving people. And being kind towards people. And when I often think of this type of, of lesson, and I often think of him and the way that he acted. And because he, he reflected the love that he had of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the type of love that I want to have. And I hope it's the type of love that you desire to have. That you can get to the point where you would bless them that curse you. And have an opportunity to reach them. An opportunity to minister to them and share with them the good news of Jesus. Heavenly Father, help us during these lessons to understand Your will and Your way and Your desire and what You would have us to do. And Father, I'm sure many of us recognize today that we have much work to do here, but understanding the way to remedy those areas where we're lacking is to yield to the Holy Spirit of God and allow You to flow through us. Father, You already know how to do these things and You already exemplify these things in Your life. And Father, I pray that as we would allow ourselves to get out of the way that your love would flow through us and that we would have a greater impact on the individuals that you bring our way. And Father, I pray that you'd help us as Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple to exemplify the love as we should. And Father, I help us during this time that we could uh, just honor you and please you in this area. 